We are back with another Superflex Dynasty Rookie Mock Draft with landing spots. This week, we already did one earlier, but we're going to do another one because the boys at the NFL Stock Exchange, the other Stock Exchange, go check them out. They dropped a two-round mock draft on YouTube as well. So as we did for Matt Miller's uh, uh, on Monday or whenever you guys saw it, we are going to do a rookie mock draft based on their mock draft of the NFL, pretending that the landing spots and the draft capital for all of these prospects are, you know, verbatim. We're going to roll with it and pretend that that's what actually happens in the NFL draft. Again, it's a very fun exercise, thought-provoking, gives us an idea of a bunch of different ranges of outcomes for draft capital purposes for like quarterbacks and for running backs and that kind of thing. So we only have 21 prospects that were drafted in the two-round mock draft. So we're going to do a 10-team mock instead of a 12-team mock so that we can get all of the players into this two-rounder. But should be a lot of fun. Danny, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. And yeah, like Corey said, uh, for those of you that play in a lot of 10-man leagues, this is going to be the video for you. We've done all of these mock draft reactions, all of these uh, mock drafts based on actual mock drafts out there on 12-team leagues. So you guys can kind of see now maybe the dynamic and quarterback value that differs from 10-man to 12-man leagues. It's going to be a lot of fun. But with that being said, let's waste no more time and let's get right into the NFL Stock Exchange mock draft. All right, so we are now into the mock draft. Again, if you skip the intro, we are doing a dynasty rookie mock draft based on the draft capital and landing spots of the fellas over at the NFL Stock Exchange two-round mock draft. We'll link that down below in the description. We're going to do it in a 10-team format because they only had 21 players go in the first two rounds versus you know the last mock draft we did on Monday. I think there was 23 players that went. So um, we're going to just do a 10-teamer. So those of you guys that play in 10-team, super flex, PPR, tight end, premium, that's going to be the format here. We should give you guys some good value here. So at the 101, I will say in a 10 team, it becomes more stomachable to take Marvin Harrison at 101. I still wouldn't do it, but I will say it's more reasonable because in a 10 team league quarterbacks lose a little bit of value um, because, you know, there's more uh, available because it's not 12 teams in the league. Less scarcity. Yeah, exactly. So I am going to go with Caleb Williams, especially considering he did get what I would consider to be Caleb Williams' best landing spot that he could possibly reasonably get, which is the Chicago Bears. He's going to have DJ Moore to throw to. He's going to have Cole Komet to throw to. They're probably going to invest in you know a receiver later in this draft that we'll get into in a second here. Um, that will also help buoy his fantasy value. Caleb Williams, we know what he brings to the table. It's been said a million times here. He's an improviser. Kyler Murray to Patrick Mahomes is the range of outcomes that we're talking about. Arm talent out the wazoo, accuracy, um, ability to create outside of structure, and he's just a damn efficient quarterback. He knows where the ball needs to go. So one-on-one, going to roll with Caleb Williams here. Even in a 10-man league, I still believe he should be the one-on-one, but it would be a little bit closer with him and Marvin. Yeah, sound pick. I, I think Caleb Williams would still be my one as well. And I do think the market would still value him above a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. and above a guy like Drake May uh, should this scenario happen. So I like that pick, and that's who I would have also went at the one spot. Uh, number two becomes a little bit more of a debate. You could take one of the quarterbacks there, depending on your flavor with Drake May and Jaden Daniels. But because we always take them in the 12-team format and because Marvin Harrison Jr., in our opinion, is a generational prospect, he goes 104 here to the Arizona Cardinals and will be on my team at this 102 selection. Like I said, 10-man league, not 12-man, so therefore the quarterback value becomes less due to less scarcity involved. And Marvin Harrison Jr. has the opportunity to be in that you know, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, echelon of wide receiver and dynasty. And in a 10-man league, that's about a mid-first-round startup pick. So fired up to get Marvin Harrison Jr. here. I really do think that him and Kyler Murray could end up blossoming into one of the best quarterback wide receiver duos in the NFL. 
Yeah, this one's um this one's a little bit more interesting, right? Because I think again, similar to what I said with Caleb Williams, I think the Arizona Cardinals is one of the best landing spots Marvin can go to. Um, because I think the worst one he could probably go to is the Patriots at three, but then you know the Cardinals at four or the Chargers at five. I'm sure they'd be very happy to have him. Maybe Chicago trades down from one and gets Marvin, um, which is also in the range of outcomes as well if they keep Justin Fields. But yeah, Arizona Cardinals fourth overall draft capital. We cannot overthink that one with Marvin Harrison going one two. Like you said, in a ten man league. I don't think you're married to taking Drake May here. I think that, you know, going to the commanders at 102, it's, you know, it's not the best offensive line. It's not the greatest organization to be tethered to if you're Drake May as well, because they've been historically not the greatest, Uh, but they do have weapons. They do have, uh, you know, a running game with Brian Robinson there. I'm going to mix it up here just because it is a 10 man league. We're going to get a little crazy. I love the landing spot for Malik neighbors going to the Chicago bears. I took Caleb Williams at one, one. I'm going to take Malik neighbors here at one Oh three could have even potentially gone in a tight end premium format with Brock Bowers. there, going one Oh five to the chargers as well, but I'll mix things up. I'll go with Malik neighbors here at one Oh three. Again, we've talked about it. It's a one, a one B situation with these two wide receivers, Malik neighbors, your Stefan Diggs, DJ Moore archetype, ironically going to play on the same team as DJ Moore. man, this nucleus of this offense, DJ Moore, Malik neighbors and, Caleb Williams, they would be a scary, scary sight for Lions fans and Packers fans and Vikings fans going forward. Yeah, and if you're a Bears fan, that'd give you a ton of hope about potentially competing in the NFC sooner rather than later. Obviously, a lot of the top quarterbacks in the league, probably about, what, 85% of them play in the AFC at this point. If you can net Caleb Williams and a wide receiver like Malik Neighbors in this draft, you're in a really good spot there, Chicago. So really a big fan of that. Um, Caught me off guard. I thought you were going to take Drake May, and I thought I'd be making the case for Malik Neighbors at 104, but Drake May ends up falling to me at the 104, and he will be my pick. Goes to my division rival here with the Washington Commanders. I'm not going to lie at this point. Seems like a certainty they will get one of the top two quarterbacks, which would make me sad because both of these guys are absolute studs. With Caleb Williams, I already described him at the at the one spot when you selected him. With Drake May landing here in Washington, you mentioned a little bit of concerns organizationally. I, However, I do trust Adam Peters got brought in to potentially revamp their personnel. A little bit concerned that uh, Cliff Kingsbury is coming in to be the OC. Watching Caleb Williams' uh, film, I was really unimpressed with the scheme they were running over there with USC. So not exactly a big fan of that. However, he does have the weapons on the outside. He's still a very talented quarterback in his own right, only graded within a point of where I had Caleb Williams. So very high-level praise for Drake May. I think he's that caliber of quarterback prospect. I think he would have been the first overall pick last year, first overall pick in 2022. So landing that caliber of talent here at the four spot, even though it's a 10-man league, I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. De- uh, no- Complaints there with Drake May. I probably should have gone with him at 103, but I did kind of like the idea of mixing it up. Speaking of mixing like it up, it. I'm going to do it again because I'm going to take Brock Bowers here instead wow. of Jaden Daniels. Because, I mean, in the last mock draft we did, I outlined my concerns with Jaden Daniels. So I'm not going to do that all again. If you want to hear that, go back to that video. But basically, he's not the best type of quarterback prospect out there. For fantasy, we love the running and all that kind of stuff. But from a real-life NFL standpoint, I don't think his leash is going to be as long as we want it to be from a dynasty standpoint. I mean, look at what happened with Trey Lance. You know, we still have yet to be seen what will happen with Justin Fields and Anthony Richardson, who are these, like, run-first, pass-second type of quarterbacks. And even those guys, I think, are more advanced than what Jaden Daniels represents. So him going to the Patriots, I mean, there's no real uh, pass-catching talent around there. 
They don't really have the greatest, you know, infrastructure in terms of offensive scheme and offensive line. Brock Bowers, man, he's going to the Chargers. He's going to Justin Herbert. They don't have any long-term weapons in that offense. Quentin Johnson was supposed to be that guy. Didn't really work out last year. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, aging assets. So Brock Bowers, dude, holy crap. I just graded him yesterday, and Brock Bowers is a fun player. Um, I think median projection, you could imagine putting Evan Ingram on crack into this offense. High-end projection, we're talking about putting George Kittle into this offense. 100%. And I mean, we've seen Jim Harbaugh and what he's able to, uh, what he's been able to do with the tight end position throughout his tenure. Obviously, we saw Kobe Fleener, for example, when he was at Stanford. We saw what he's able to do with Vernon Davis with the San Francisco 49ers. And as of late with Michigan, I mean, they've kind of just been producing a lot of tight ends there. First, it was Jake Butt. Second, it was Luke Schoonmaker who went in the second round last year. And then with Colson Loveland this past year, I was watching JJ McCarthy. And I really do think that the main source of passing production came from Colson Loveland. I love what he was able to do, scheming Colson Loveland in all spots, whether it was yak ability, whether it was working him down the seam. I really do think that Brock Bowers landing with Jim Harbaugh and what he's shown he could do to the tight end position is the match made in heaven. On top of all that, Pairing with Justin Herbert, no real long-term future clear-cut number one option in this passing attack. I think Brock Bowers can be the dynasty tight end one in this spot. But however, with that being said, I still got to go with Jaden Daniels over Brock Bowers. I love Brock Bowers, and I really do think, like I said, he could be the dynasty tight end one. But although I'm lower on Jaden Daniels comparatively from a grade standpoint to Drake, to Caleb Williams, he still has the blueprint that can break fantasy football. Rushing threat, Konami code, I graded him out uh, and compared him to a guy like Robert Griffin III, who, if he didn't have all the knee issues he did, probably would have still been in the NFL today. I was a fan of Jaden Daniels now. Again, like I said, he's not on the same tier like a Caleb, like a Drake May, but I do understand why he's being talked about as a top 5-10 to 10 pick. Lance here at number 3 overall, you made the case there that New England not quite ample in terms of overall weapons, but with a guy like Jaden Daniels, you get a one weapon there with Lad McConkey, uh, Hunter Henry slash Mike Jasicki, whoever they choose to bring back at tight end. I think that's enough simply because of what we can expect from him from a dual threat standpoint. I really do think that this could end up being a 750, 800 plus rushing yard per year quarterback. Yeah, and in a 10-team ten, uh, 10 league, guys like Jaden Daniels who are going to produce high-end production sometimes gain a little bit of value, right, yeah. with their legs because, you know, last year some people were saying, hey, in one quarterback leagues and 10-team leagues, you should take Anthony Richardson over Bryce Young or you should take Anthony Richardson at 101 potentially um, in a, a, a you know, a 10-team super flex league or whatever. So with, uh, with Jaden Daniels, yeah, that rushing threat ability is definitely going to show up in the NFL. Just worried a little bit about how he's going to adjust to a situation without – uh, that many uh, talented playmakers. But like you said, they did take Lad McConkey later on in this draft. So I'm on the board at 107. Again, we did actually have this exact pick in the Matt Miller mock draft, which was Romo Dunze going sixth overall to the New York Giants. Uh, don't have to rehash too much. It's a team desperately in need of a X wide receiver. That could be a number one for their team. Romo Dunze profiles as such. Uh, went back and forth with someone in the comments saying that they think Brian Thomas is better than Romo Dunze because Odunze is not a very good separator. I don't know what film that guy's watching, but Romo Dunze, absolutely, if I would say one of his best traits is his ability to run routes, his ability to separate, and of course, what he can do at the catch point and after the catch. So Odunze, they need somebody to actually throw the ball to. Daniel Jones has nowhere to go with the football outside of Saquon Barkley when he's on the field. So with Romo Dunze, he would be the locked and loaded alpha, knock everybody down a peg. Uh, Wandale becomes your number two. Darren Wallers, if he's still there, is a solid tight end for you. And then, you know, Darius Slayton and uh, Jalen Hyatt can stretch the field for you. So I think that really rounds out this Giants offense. And if they brought back Saquon Barkley, would make them a legitimate contender for the NFC East, I think, if things could break right for them. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a little much. I don't think they can win the NFC East, but regardless, they are a much more competitive offense, adding a guy like Romo Dunze. Obviously, Darren Waller can be a very, very good number two pass weapon in this offense, but like we saw last year, even when he was on the field, can't suffice as the true number one. I really do think that adding Romo Dunze, big time X wide receiver, very, very good separator, despite what that comment said, really big fan of Romo Dunze. So if uh, his family is watching that, you may as well give us some flowers in the comment section instead of the criticism you guys sent to us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if ever, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, it's basically anytime you talk about Romo Dunze on Twitter, his whole family comes after you, which is yeah. why we keep saying if Romo Dunze's family is watching this. But I think they only live on Twitter. I haven't seen them in the YouTube Max. streets yet. So um, you are on the board here with the uh, 108. Um, number of directions you can go. Again, in a 10-team league, even though we got a bunch of first-round quarterbacks, they're not the best prospects in the world, right? So you're not thinking, oh, you know, it's, you know, super flex 12 team. We got to snap up these quarterbacks. Are you going to go with a Bo Nix or a JJ McCarthy or a, a Michael Penix here? Or are you going to go with some of these top receivers that got first round draft capital? I'm going to stick to the wide receiver position because like you said, 10 team format, uh, as much as I like all the quarterbacks outside of even the top three, I really do think that uh, four five and six are talented in their own right. They all kind of profile as quarterback twos in Dynasty, and in a 10-team format, that's inherently less valuable. So I'm going to stick to the wide receiver position. I think this would be a fantastic landing spot for this guy. Uh, I have him compared out to a guy like Calvin Ridley, landing here with Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills, 28th overall landing spot. I'm a big fan of Troy Franklin here. First round draft capital, very, very good route runner, despite the limited route tree he ran in college. The concerns there are that, you know, he doesn't have the best hands. He's not the best ball tracker, but I really do think he's a very, very good separator. On top of all that being 6'3 and having 4'3 speed is something the Buffalo Bills need injected into this offense. So you pair him next to Stefan Diggs, don't have the pressure of him being that true alpha number one right off the bat. And I really do think he can flourish with Josh Allen. Yeah, definitely. Makes a lot of sense. Um, there's two more receivers that we're going to talk about probably yes. here in a second that went in the first round that are, are also in good landing spots. So yeah, Troy Franklin, dude, being the, the Gabe Davis replacement is yes. is one of the nuts ranges of outcomes. Him going to Buffalo or Kansas City would be absolutely uh, outstanding because you got the big arm quarterbacks. You got a guy that runs probably in the four threes, if not potentially the four twos. His uh, top MPH that he reached in college football was like 22.7 miles per hour, 22.3 miles per hour. This guy's got wheels and he can work on the outside as a downfield weapon. So with Josh Allen, that's the match made in heaven that you're looking for. So I am actually going to go and stick with what I basically just said. I get Keon Coleman of the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I want access to it. Uh, Brian Thomas Jr. definitely in consideration for me. As of right now, I have Keon Coleman ranked ahead of Brian Thomas Jr. And he goes to Kansas City versus Jacksonville, even though they both went in the first round. I prefer Coleman going there a little bit uh, more. And I think with the fit of Kansas City here, you have Rasheed Rice, of course, to be the like shorter to intermediate target yards after catch guy. Keon Coleman can be the downfield guy, the red zone guy with uh, with Kelsey getting older. We don't know what his future is. I think that Coleman would kind of work in as potentially the new like face of the red zone in Kansas City there. So I actually really like a guy like Andy Reid to be able to develop a prospect like this. We saw them develop what Rasheed Rice kind of had shortcomings coming out of school. And I think they could do the same thing with Keon Coleman because he's not a finished product yet, but get him with a good offensive coach. And I think he could absolutely become, you know, a Nico Collins, a George Pickens at the next level. And I think, imagine just dropping one of those two guys in this offense. We'd all be pretty excited about that. Yeah. Adding that big bodied X wide receiver who, despite his size, 
moves very well for it. I really do think this is a, a guy who's more athletic than people would expect. You plug him in at the X spot. You have Rasheed Rice to be your chain mover and having Keon Coleman be your big play threat. On top of all that, still having Travis Kelsey to be the true number one in this offense. I really do like the fit. And I mean, at the end of the day, you are playing with Patrick Mahomes, who on any given season can throw for 5,000 yards, can throw for 45 touchdowns. And Keon Coleman is the archetype of wide receiver that can contribute with a 15 touchdown, 16 touchdown level year. So we're chasing upside here. And speaking of upside, you mentioned big play outside wide receiver. You mentioned the name Brian Thomas. I will be selecting him here. He goes 17th overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars, whether that's going to be the eventual Zay Jones replacement, whether maybe they move on from Calvin Ridley. Regardless, I really do think that Brian Thomas can eventually develop into the number one of this offense. I'm a little bit higher on him than you from a film standpoint. He is my wide receiver four. Uh, I was really a big fan. Uh, the thing that I really noticed about him is despite being such a functional athlete at his size, I thought he was more developed in terms of his releases than uh, I expected coming into the film. That was a big area of disagreement that we have, but I really do think he's further along than I expected, especially in comparison to some of the other big wide receivers. Was a big fan of Brian Thomas. He lands here with the Jaguars, pairs with Trevor Lawrence long-term, who we still believe as being a top-end quarterback in the league. There's not much else I can ask for being a Brian Thomas fan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not high on Brian Thomas from a film standpoint, but you know, you put him in the right situation, which I believe this would be, um, and I, I get a little bit higher on him for sure. And I, I would probably have, you know, put him in, like if we were talking like tier ranking these like picks or whatever, this like 108 to 110 range would probably be pretty fluid. Those first round right. receivers with good landing spots because all three of them go to landing spots that I feel very good about. Um, moving into the second round, I think I'm going to bite the bullet here on these quarterbacks and I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Bo Nix, uh, who actually went 12th overall to the Denver Broncos. Um, we talked about, I believe this was also a fit that we had in the last mock draft yes. that we did. Bo Nix going to the Denver Broncos is, is really a perfect fit because when you think about what Sean Payton looks for in his quarterbacks, it's accuracy, right? What did Drew Brees do well? Was like, he's the most accurate quarterback probably in NFL history. Bo Nix is the most accurate quarterback in this class, in my opinion, including Caleb Williams, including Drake May, yeah. including Jaden Daniels. So with Bo Nix, it's ball placement, it's accuracy. Get him the best of Baker Mayfield is what you can expect with Bo Nix. He's basically Baker Mayfield without the boneheaded decisions because he's actually one of the better decision-making quarterbacks in this class as well. So with Bo Nix, I think you're getting a guy that can operate this offense. We don't know who he's throwing to. Cortland Sutton's up in the air. Jerry Judy's a free agent. You got Marvin Mims, who you drafted in the second round last year, but he hadn't really shown much outside of a couple big plays. Javante Williams in the backfield. You know, Greg Dolchich was hurt all last year, so... He's got some up and down question marks about the offense and the weapon core, but I do like the the coaching angle of it. And I do think he has a pretty good offensive line there in Denver as well. Yeah, and I hate throwing this name around, but the fit here is you would want him to be the Drew Brees for Sean Payton pretty much. And again, like anybody reaching Drew Brees, I'm not saying he's going to be an all-time great. I'm more so saying efficient, on-time distributor can execute that quick hitting offense that Sean Payton really likes to run. And I think Bo Nix is the perfect fit of the quarterbacks, four to six to fit with Sean Payton. He goes here at 12th overall, first round draft capital quarterback. You can make the argument that he could go higher in this mock draft. But like we said, because of the 10-team format, he does slip here to the two, uh, 201, a.k.a. the 111 in a 12-man league. So fan of Bo Nix, I think this is the proper spot for him. And although I'm lower on this guy comparatively, 
I do think I have to take Michael Penix at this spot. He does go 13th overall. He does have a, a straight opportunity to start off the bat with the uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. The concerns here, older prospect. Uh, he has a moniker of being, you know, this pinpoint actor quarterback. Didn't necessarily see that on film. I really think he struggled in terms of uh, ball location at times. On top of all that, being able to play with three NFL wide receivers really helped him when I was watching him. However, I have to respect the draft capital. I have to respect the starting opportunity. And if he has a solid rookie season as the starter for the Las Vegas Raiders, he has the opportunity to be a top 12 dynasty quarterback. So I have to bake that into my expectations. Hence why he goes here at the 202. Yeah. Um, having the pass catching weapons he would have in, in Vegas there would definitely help him out. I'm concerned for sure for a number of reasons. Like for, sure. for starters, if you're not a refined prospect at Michael Penix's age coming out, I'm concerned. Like Bo Nix is much more refined than Michael Penix is. They're about the same age. Michael Penix also not good under pressure, not at all. Like can't really do anything, can't create anything under pressure. The second he got pressure, Jalen Polk and uh, Romo Dunze and Jalen McMillan bailed him out time and time and time again. So with, you know, that type of talent advantage in the NFL, like you're going to have talented receivers, especially in, yes. uh, you know, Vegas, you're going to have Devontae Adams, potentially you're going to have Jacoby Myers at the very least, Michael but Mayer. the talent discrepancy between Romo Dunze, Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan to the corners that they're going up against in college is much bigger. It would be like the equivalent of having Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and, you know, a stud slot receiver in the NFL because of the talent discrepancy that Romo Dunze has against the corners he's going up against. Now it just sounds like we're comparing Michael Penix to Joe Burrow. No, all kidding aside, there's a big difference between that 2019 LSU offense and 2019 Burrow than there is with Michael P uh, Penix, despite what people might want to compare him to. And I agree with that. And we really saw it unravel in the Michigan game because Michigan was able to get pressure up front, but also had an NFL caliber secondary. And we saw when those wide receivers weren't winning within a nanosecond and Michael Penix really had to face pressure, we saw him crumble in that national championship game against my beloved Michigan Wolverines. But I mean, it kind of sounds like I'm shitting on my own pick, but at the end of the day, I do have to respect 13th overall. I do have to respect instant starting opportunity. Hence why he goes above a quarterback. I prefer to him like a guy like JJ McCarthy. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I got two options here, two receivers. I absolutely love. Yes. I'm going to go with the one that I love more than you. Cause I want to make the one, okay. uh, the pick here. So I'll go with Xavier worthy here. He goes to the Atlanta Falcons. Do I love it? Not really, but again, Similar to what I said about Tennessee when A.D. Mitchell went to Tennessee in the last mock that we did, this isn't your father's Atlanta Falcons team anymore that's run by Arthur Smith. We got a real innovative offensive mind running this scheme. It's Drake London. It's Xavier Worthy. It's Kyle Pitts. It's B. John Robinson. Hell of a talented offense, man. Very fun. couple mental lapses with this offense because of Worthy and, you know, Kyle Pitts sometimes don't always um, see eye to eye on like, you know, exactly what they should be doing and where they should be. But Xavier Worthy is a really talented prospect, very good mover in space, in uh, horizontal, vertical. He is going to run in the four twos. He's got better hands this year in 2023, cleaned up some of those drops from his broken hand season in 2022. So with Xavier Worthy, he goes top 45 to the Atlanta Falcons. I definitely like the landing spot from like a real life standpoint, just not as excited about it from a fantasy standpoint as the last mock draft we did when he went to Kansas City. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Kansas City, objectively a better spot than Atlanta, potentially playing third or fourth fiddle in the passing game there, assuming uh, Kyle Pitts stays, assuming Drake London's there, and obviously B. John Robinson being the nucleus of the offense. However, like you said, uh, in terms of being able to spread that third level of the field, 
Atlanta doesn't really have that guy at this point. Obviously, Kyle Pitts can be used like that, but we haven't evidently seen that during the Arthur Smith tenure. And Drake London more so profiling as your boundary, you know, possession type of wide receiver. With Xavier Worthy, it's injecting some uh, some speed into this offense, which I do think new coach Raheem Morris and offense coordinator Zach Robinson can really use. So uh, moving off of Xavier Worthy, uh, I'm running to the podium and I'm making this pick, and I'm sure you know exactly who I'm talking about. Lad McConkey here goes 34th overall to the New England Patriots, and I'll get it out of the way before you guys go to the comment section. Oh, my God, New England got their new Julian Edelman. They got their new Wes Welker. Don't write that, man. If you guys watch Lad McConkey, you'll know we're dealing with a different type of athlete than any of those guys. Can he run routes like those guys? Absolutely. Can he also run a uh, lineup on the outside and just burn someone over the top? Absolutely. That's what makes Lab McConkey special. My comp for him was Doug Baldwin when I watched his film. He was injured in that Alabama game. So at first I was a little bit lower, but once I watched that full assortment of games, I realized that nobody in this damn class runs routes better than Lab McConkey, and he's able to do it at all three levels. So landing here with the New England Patriots, pairing with a guy like Jaden Daniels. I really feel a lot more confident about the projection of Jaden Daniels, the fact that he's adding a Lab McConkey to this offense. If they weren't adding Lab McConkey, maybe you can consider dropping Jaden Daniels a little bit, but having Lab McConkey there, potential future number one for Jaden Daniels. We saw what he was able to do with Brian Thomas. We saw what he was able to do with Malik Neighbors. Adding a natural separator there with Lab McConkey would be a slam dunk pick. And obviously going top 35, won't complain about that. He is my wide receiver five in this class for a reason. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he hypothetically fills that Jacoby Myers role. If they're going to run yep. like kind of the similar scheme there uh, with Gerard Mayo coming in, they, they need, they have targets available and Lad McConkey can get open and command targets. So that's pretty much all we're talking about here. Um, I'm going to look at the rest of the mock here. I'm looking around. Uh, I don't love Tez Walker to the saints. Not a huge fan of the prospect, <laughs> not a huge fan of the fit. Jatavian Sanders to the Bengals. Definitely an interesting one. Jalen Polk goes to the Eagles. Again, not a great fit in terms like I like the, I think he would help the offense, but not from a fantasy perspective with great. those other receivers there. A.D. Mitchell to the Texans. That one's fun. I'll, I'll go with that one. I know it's not, you know, it's hard to project this now, right? You got Nico Collins, you got Tank Dell, and now A.D. Mitchell to go along with C.J. Stroud. But you know what? C.J. Stroud might be a good enough quarterback to support all these guys. And Nico Collins is in his, what, going into his fourth season this year. He's going to need to be extended. And if A.D. Mitchell can walk into a role where they don't have to pay Nico Collins $25 million a year after this season is over, then they could just maybe let Nico Collins walk or maybe tag and trade him or something like that. So maybe that's the rationale for this pick with this A.D. Mitchell one. And I think he's actually in a good position to learn from a guy like Nico Collins who had a similar profile coming out. Very good athlete. Not exactly the most refined guy in the world and developed into a you know 1200 1300 yard receiver is his third season so i think ad mitchell to the the texans makes sense i'm kind of just buying into the town of the player and the landing spot that he went to here and the top two round draft capital which is usually a pretty good formula to buy into yeah he would have been my pick as well really a fan of the talent profile really a fan of the landing spot and i mean trusting uh, a wide receiver that goes in this range to pair with cj stroud for the long term is pretty enticing from a dynasty perspective so big fan of ad mitchell would have been my pick as well now the board opens up. We got a bunch of day two uh, wide receivers and tight ends available. No running back going within the first two rounds of this mock is notable. Again, if somebody went at the top of the third round, if it was extended to three rounds, maybe they would have found the RB1 in this class go off the board here. But given the information we have, it becomes tough here. You're looking at the second round players of Ricky Pearsall, JJ McCarthy, Devontae Walker, Jatavian Sanders, Jalen Polk, and Roman Wilson. I think I'm going to go Jalen Polk here. Uh, again, I don't feel great about uh, the entire situation here, but we've seen, you know, Tyler Boyd when uh, T. Higgins or Jamar Chase missed time. 
be a very productive player. And I really do think that Jalen Polk can progress into a Tyler Boyd level player at the next level. People might be wondering, well, Jalen Polk was used really down the field uh, at Washington. How do you project him to be this slot guy like Tyler Boyd's become? If you guys don't remember, like Tyler Boyd was used down the field when he was at Pitt, ends up taking that slot role given athletic limitations. I can see a guy like Jalen Polk really taking that next step at the next level. I think he's going to be more so a mid four or five type of guy and pairing next to Devontae Smith, pairing next to AJ Brown on the surface level, given the volume we could expect. Not necessarily that great, but who knows? Maybe they move on from Devontae Smith. Maybe they move on from A.J. Brown within a couple of years. And it's really just trusting my evaluation here that Jalen Polk is a top 12 overall wide receiver in this class at this point. Because we don't know the third round, what it looks like. I think I'm just going to trust the talent here with Polk and take him in this spot. Yeah, hopefully we get a three-rounder that we can work with so that we can get some running backs mixed into this second-round area. But yeah, I, I'm probably on the same page as you there. I, I like the, the fit of Polk to the Eagles, even though if it's not the group greatest fantasy fit, at least in the immediate short term. So I'm caught between two onesie positions here. Um, your boy, JJ McCarthy goes to the Minnesota Vikings. I do think that is one of the better landing spots Agreed. he could go to um, because, you know, you get to potentially learn from somebody. Maybe he's forced to start right away. I'm not exactly sure what they would do. I'd imagine if they draft a second round quarterback, they probably like franchise tag Kirk Cousins or they bring in a bridge quarterback like a Ryan Tannehill or like a Jimmy Garoppolo or something like that. Um, so it's possible that that's what they do. Jatavian Sanders goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. I am actually going to go with that. I'll probably let you take your boy, JJ. So I'll go with JT Sanders. Again, my Texas Longhorn, you're going to go with your Michigan Wolverine. JT yeah. Sanders, lot of, I just finished grading him. So my comp for him basically is that he could become the next, I would say, Dalton Kincaid, Dallas Goddard kind of like projection. So if you're picturing his, you know, he's a good athlete. He's able to work after the catch. He's got great hands, probably even better hands than Brock Bowers has, to be honest. But the difficult thing with Jatavian Sanders is that he's not a refined route runner. He doesn't sink his hips when he runs routes. He's kind of just running, you know, upright routes at this point in time. And he's bigger and a better athlete than most people that are guarding him. So he can get away with that. He also got blown off the ball by Dallas Turner about 65 times against Alabama uh, to stop a run play or to get after the quarterback. So he has major work to do as a blocker. And it, it makes sense because he wasn't a, a tight end in college or in uh, high school. He was actually a wide receiver. And, you know, he's kind of learning the position. He's only played it for two years still just 21 years old. But the thing that gets me worried about him is the fact that he has these like mental lapses and he doesn't know how to like set his feet properly on a route, or he doesn't know how to like attack leverage against zone coverage and stuff like that. And it makes me worried that he's the next OJ Howard. He's the next Johnu Smith. He's the next Noah Fant. These great athletes that we get so excited about, but they just don't do the little things well. And that's exactly what Brock Bowers is the opposite of. He does all the little things well. So with Jatavian Sanders, he's an upside play. You're hoping he's David Njoku, not OJ Howard. Yeah, it's kind of at the point where you can get these freak athletes, but if they don't have the understanding of how to create leverage, how to run their routes, being at that size becomes becomes kind of a moot point, like you said. So with JT Sanders, a lot of risk reward here. Obviously, going to Cincinnati in the second round is probably one of the nuts range of outcomes for him. Hence, in a tight end premium, why he finds his way in the mid-second round area here. But you mentioned the name JJ McCarthy. I will be taking him at this next pick, and people might be wondering, well, Danny, if you're such a fan of J.J. McCarthy, why does he fall here to the 208? Reason being, I have to respect the first-round pedigree of the guys above him just simply in terms of an opportunity and in a 10-team format, taking a second-round quarterback over some of those other wide receiver profiles in the second round, I think would be a little bit malpractice, but... 
like you said, this is the perfect landing spot we can expect for J.J. McCarthy. If they took him at 11, we'd be having a completely different story, but him falling to 42 is why he falls here. But J.J. McCarthy, if you're wondering in terms of stylistically who he kind of compares to, when I graded him out, I viewed him as a, a, a little bit of an upgraded version of Ryan Tano. I think he's a little bit more mobile. I think he has a little bit of a stronger arm, but both kind of win the same way, uh, working in the play-action game, both deadly, working through crossing routes, and being able to pick up those third and five, those third and six situations, rolling outside of the pocket, I really do think he'd become a Ryan Tannehill plus type of quarterback. And like we saw from Ryan Tannehill, he really truly ended up developing once he came to Tennessee, once he worked in that play action system that they had running there. I think that can be the case here for uh, JJ McCarthy working with Kevin O'Connell and those weapons on the outside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's a good fit. Like you said, um, not a whole lot to add to that. I think it, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, the end of this draft is getting pretty disgusting. I'm not going to yes. lie. We got uh, Tez Walker to the Saints. What is he like a worse version of Rashid Shahid in that situation? Like, I, I don't really think that's a great fit. Um, so I'm actually going to go with your other Michigan boy here with uh, with Roman Wilson. I'll take him. He goes to the Chiefs here in this situation, goes at the end of the second round. It looks like they double down at wide receiver. They take Keon Coleman in round one. They take Roman Wilson in round two. Team nine. Hoping, I guess, just throwing stuff at the at the wall and seeing what sticks. Hopefully one of these two guys can become a compliment to Rasheed Rice long term. But regardless, I mean, Roman Wilson's got like 4-3 speed. He can play on the outside. Keon Coleman, you know, maybe you get creative with him and Rasheed Rice. You move one of them into the slot. Maybe Roman Wilson plays in the slot. So not exactly sure how the, the alignment and the configuration would work with this wide receiver core. But what I do know is that Roman Wilson had a great senior bowl. He's got a pretty good profile. He was efficient anytime he got targets. And going to Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes always helps your prospect profile as well. Yeah, like a Christian Kirk type of player, vertical slot. Uh, should run in the four threes. Really, no. Uh, in, in terms of projectable role, no concerns about him in Casey, in my opinion. Because, like you said, you got your possession guy with uh, with Rasheed Rice. Got your big play downfield wide receiver with Keon Coleman. Uh, I like I said, Roman Wilson can be that vertical slot Christian Kirk type to this offense. So I don't necessarily hate that. That's more so hoping that all three can coexist once Travis Kelsey's gone. Because with Travis Kelsey there, it really is hard to see all four of those guys respectively being able to contribute at the same time but but who knows man i've seen patrick mahomes in the past make wine out of water so maybe he can make it work but at this final spot here at the 210 i'm between two players between ricky pierceall going 33rd overall to the panthers and with tez walker going 45th overall to the nolan saints I have not watched pierceall yet so if you guys are ricky pierceall fans please leave in the comment section down below but I have watched Devontae Walker. He was the worst of the wide receivers I've analyzed thus far, but I will go with him here because he still represents a lot of good things we can see from a potential standpoint in the NFL. Like you mentioned, the landing spot, not quite great here with the New Orleans Saints, but I do trust vertical outside wide receiver, big time athlete. Um, I, I just know what he is, and I don't know what Ricky Pearsall is at this point. I know what Ricky Pearsall is, and the answer is he isn't good. Um Ricky yeah. Pearsall, no offense to the NFL stock exchange guys, but I know Trevor is a uh, is a Florida uh, Florida Gators fan, so I mean there's some bias there. Ricky Pearsall is Michael Wilson. He's there's there's reps where Ricky Pearsall looks like a great route runner, but like Michael Wilson, when you're almost 24 years old and you've got a career targets per route run rate of like 20% and you never had a good productive season in your career, I'm not betting on the flashes with you anymore. You're not getting the benefit of the flashes. When you're 20 years old and you've started for one season, that's when I'll bet on flashes. But when you've been a starter for multiple years and you, you just can't command targets consistently, you got good hands, but not really like there's routes that you look good and you maybe performed well at the senior bowl. This is Michael Wilson 2.0. So I'm, I'm, 
I'm not even going to respect the draft capital with uh, Ricky Pierce all going 33rd to the Panthers. Like I'll let a le- if that actually happened, um, it would be a, a huge blunder by the Panthers and B uh, I would let a league mate draft uh, Ricky Pierce in that situation yeah that's fair i end up going tez walker here like i said not the biggest fan of the fit but do see that there is upside and some people are a lot higher on tez walker than i am personally yeah exactly so that is the end of the two round uh 10 team mock draft that we're looking at here again if you guys did enjoy this video leave us a like down below subscribe to the channel if you are new around here as well if you're in 10 team leagues give us uh, some love for you down below in the comments too because i feel like we are always doing 12 team content as well but uh yeah, of course, other rookie content available on flockfantasy.com. About a week from now, we will have our rookie draft guide launched. So if you want to get our full thoughts on all of these players, we kind of gave you like a preview in this video of what we thought when we watched them and how we graded them out and some comparisons that we saw. All of that will be available for 30 prospects as soon as February 15th. And then by, I don't know, March 15th, we haven't decided on an official date yet. We'll have our top 50 prospects and, you know, superlatives like our sleepers and our undervalued and our overvalued players and that kind of thing. So flockfantasy.com is how you get that. Uh, Link will be down below for that in the description and in the pinned comment. Code FSE will get you 30% off any of the packages. But with that being said, peace out and we'll talk to you soon.